Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hey, everybody. It is Trags. Mike Petralia back with another episode of the Jungle Roar podcast on the Jungle Roar podcast YouTube network. I am back with Jay Morrison of The Athletic covering the Cincinnati Bengals and all things NFL as it regards the Cincinnati Bengals. And that has been certainly the case Mm -hmm. this week as the NFL announced on Thursday night that a plan had been put forward to handle the contingency of the Bills uh, Cincinnati Bengals game being canceled on Monday night uh, due to what happened to the uh, medical emergency regarding uh, DeMar Hamlin on the field. The game has been canceled. It will not be made up, uh, but as a result, uh, it's turned some of the uh, playoff scenarios into chaos and into flux, and (laughs) here to discuss that and kind of break it down and get his perspective on things is Jay Morrison. Uh, Jay, welcome. How are you doing? Great, Drags. How are you? Well, I think both of us, and I think everybody associated with covering the Bengals this week will be happy once Sunday gets around to get back to seeing a football game being played. And I might say, Jay, and I think you agree with this, very grateful that a game will be played on Sunday, given what we witnessed on Monday night. Because after what happened with DeMar Hamlin, um, I think if things had not gone as promisingly well as they have in the last 48 hours, I don't think we would be having this discussion. No, I, I that was kind of what my thought was earlier in the week, is if he doesn't show any sort of improvement or God forbid gets worse. I don't know how they could have played games this weekend. And now you wonder about that because it it seems by canceling the bills Bengals game, it feels like the the NFL had no interest whatsoever in pushing back the playoffs. Um, But I I don't know if, if there was pushback from the players union. And I mean, even yesterday when they found out about the progress, some Bengal players were still saying they're still not right. And it's still going to be hard to go out there on Sunday. And um, had there been a league wide kind of a swell from the players that they don't want to play that they could have forced the NFL's hand, but you're right. It's just, I'm just grateful that there is going to be football that DeMar is improving and communicating. And as far as being happy, I'm not waiting until Sunday. As soon as we get to about four or five o'clock today, I'm going to have the happiest happy hour ever because it <laughs> has been a long week. I do not think you are going to be alone, Jay. I, I can assure you, you will not be alone. Uh, but I also think part of the thinking of the NFL, they were not about to put the Bills and Bengals back on the same field at that spot and resume the game. I just don't think they had any interest in revisiting that, you know, scenario at Paycor Stadium. I think they were like, look, we're not going to push it with these players. They are in kind of an emotionally fragile state and very understandably so given what they witnessed mm-hmm. on Monday night. And I think the NFL in that regard did it well. Let's get to the tiebreakers though. 
I do have a problem. And I promised everybody, I told everybody it was an act of God, whatever the NFL decides in terms of the playoff scenarios, you have to live with it. But when I see the scenarios and I'm just going to use the word convoluted, they seem, I don't know if you feel the same way, Jay, but it just seems like if the, the one that sticks out to me is if Buffalo wins this weekend and Baltimore beats the Bengals this weekend, I should say, if that happens and Baltimore and Cincinnati play in the playoffs in the first round in the wild card round, a coin flip will determine home field. Are you good with that? Nope. I don't get that at all. Um, and the main thing is it's, I'm a firm believer. And I said this on our podcast last night, I created a fantasy league in 1992 and I was smart enough to put a, a provision in there that no rule changes in the middle of the season are possible unless it's hundred percent agreed upon, upon the owners. That's what's happening here. It's, it's a written rule that if a game gets canceled, you just go by win percentage. And now right. eight days before the playoff starts, they're going to change the rules. Forget about how they're changing them. It's the fact that they are changing the rules this close to the playoffs. I don't get that. Um, this won't surprise you, but I started digging through since 2002 and the current um, yeah. current uh, divisional alignment. How many teams that won a division got swept that year by a team in their division? And I was surprised there was 14 and every division's had at least had that happen at least once, except the AFC North where the Bengals play. And no surprise to you, the AFC East, the Patriots, nobody sweeps the Patriots, right? especially not in a year when they win the division. Um, the, my next step, and it, it took me so long to do this, I haven't got to this step yet, but I want to see how many of those teams finish within a game of first place. Not to make an argument one way or other, just to see how rare this is that a second place team swept the team ahead of them. Those teams finished within a game of first. They didn't get the benefit of a coin flip to see who was going to be home. And, and maybe they didn't even play in the first round of the playoffs. But it's just, it's such a weird situation i i i don't understand it i on the other hand you know part of you says just beat the ravens you know if you're a seven point favorite if you can't go out and beat the ravens who at best are going to have their second string quarterback maybe their third string quarterback then then maybe you don't deserve the home field but my issue is more so with the league changing the rules midstream i think that's a, a very fair point i am okay with the uh, neutral field situation for an AFC championship involving essentially any of the three teams, the the Bills, the Chiefs, uh, and the Bengals. Um, yeah. Are you, are you good with that? I mean, I think, you know, if it's, here's what I think. If it's the Chiefs and Bengals, and we have that scenario, probably Indianapolis. If it's the Bills and Bengals, probably um Detroit that that's the way I would read that as a neutral site you um actually Ford Field is booked that weekend so Detroit is out I wonder now this benefits the Bengals because they have no chance of getting the one seed so to give them the opportunity for a neutral field for to play Kansas City that 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 does work in their favor I don't know if that offsets having to possibly host the game on a coin flip but Indy I think Indy would be more likely for a Buffalo, Kansas city. I I wonder if it's Cincinnati, Kansas city. I mean, 
that really favors the Bengals. That's that's a, a hour and a half drive, whereas Kansas City, it's about seven and a half. I am, I almost wonder if they would move it down to Atlanta. I think that's a little bit further for Kansas City, but at the same time, it's a little bit further for Cincinnati too, and it makes it more of a kind of an equal distance. But don't they know that Atlanta is a Delta hub, and uh, Bengal fans could get there like that? Well, yeah, I mean, and I, I think a lot of them might I mean, drive too. It's not yeah. a bad, it's about six and a half. It's like driving to Buffalo. Yeah, it's not a Jay, bad drive. That's Jay Morrison saying that. Jay, you would drive 10 <laughs> hours to, and have covered, uh, drive 10 hours, cover the game and then drive 10 hours right back. I know you've done that before you told me. It, well, it was it was six and a half. I drove to Buffalo, yeah, covered Buffalo, the game right and now. drove back. And if, if it's if it's that or flying Southwest, I'm going to drive. Yes, uh, understood. Um, so we've gotten past. Let's just read out the scenarios really quick, uh, because this is what the NFL is voting on on Friday and should, I think, by all rights, approve it. Scenario one, Buffalo and Kansas City both win or tie this weekend, week 18. A Buffalo versus Kansas City championship game would it be at a neutral site. Buffalo and Kansas City both lose and Baltimore wins or ties. A Buffalo versus Kansas City championship game would be at a neutral site. Listen up, Bengal fans. Scenario three, Buffalo and Kansas City both lose and Cincinnati does what it should and wins. A Buffalo or Cincinnati versus Kansas City championship game would be at a neutral site. So those are the three scenarios as they are laid out uh, by the NFL. And I'm not going to get into what happens if Baltimore defeats Cincinnati. But those are the three scenarios in which an AFC championship game would be held at a neutral site. It's unprecedented. Uh, it was unprecedented to have what happened on Monday night uh, happen that late in the season and really disrupt things. Going to what happened, let's go to the humanity of this story, Jay, because that's what I think has captured uh, you know, the hearts and minds of a lot of people around the country, around the world. What the city of Cincinnati and the city of Buffalo share, and I wrote about this earlier in the week, it's pretty remarkable. It starts with the head coaches, Zach Taylor and Sean McDermott. It started actually back in um, 2018 uh, when, you know, Tyler Boyd caught that pass, got the, uh, in Baltimore and got the mm -hmm. Bills into the playoffs for the first time in forever. I just want to get your perception and, and your feelings on the bond Buffalo and Cincinnati have shared over the last several years and how you think this event maybe brings them even closer. It, it definitely brings them closer. And it, it, it was, that was when that happened, I just, the, the putting Buffalo in the playoffs was one thing, but then the outpouring of support to Andy Dalton's foundation from Bill's fans was the next step and then Dalton turn around and, and donating millions of dollars to the Buffalo Children's Cancer Hospital it was just it was such a, a heartwarming story uh the league put uh the Bengals in Buffalo that following preseason and Andy yeah. got to run out to that huge ovation I I get chills now just thinking about it it was it was really cool this went to a whole nother level and I'm proud of everyone it, yeah. we I mean we know how fever pitched fans can be and and how the animosity and um I, I i wonder how much of that that relationship from 17 was was still kind of bonding people even before the injury and then the injury happens and it all it, it was all handled 
perfectly, maybe not by the NFL, but by the people in the stands, by the emergency um, professionals, everything was handled great. Um, But that relationship, this kumbaya of Buffalo and Cincinnati kind of goes out the window Sunday. The, The Bengals fans and the Bengals really need the Patriots to beat the Bills if they have any shot of getting the two seed and possibly hosting the Bills in a division game. Bengal fans love DeMar. They may have respect and love for the city of Buffalo, but they're going to be rooting really hard against him on Sunday. So let me ask you, where does the, the, the functional compassion for the, the city, obviously the uh, DeMar and his family, where does that end? And where does, you know, that pride and passion for rooting for your team pick up and the reason I asked that question is I think a lot of fans are going to go into this weekend thinking well the Bengals have the playoffs made you know I'm still going to root for Buffalo and blah 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 I'm just curious to get your your sense on where you think there might be uh, a a line of demarcation there I I think I think it ends at one o'clock Sunday I think most Bengal fans are going to root for the Patriots and it's not going to be Ohio State fans rooting, rooting for TCU against Michigan, where that just that hatred, where you you want to see right. this team you're rooting against lose and 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 stumble. I, I don't think anybody's going to be upset if Buffalo wins, but I do think that that people are going to have the best interests of their team at heart, and and they are they're they're going to be rooting hard for the Patriots. And the other thing is they're they're not going to be watching that game. I mean, they're going to be checking it on their phone, but they're going to be watching Bengals Ravens. They play at the exact same time, so. Um, I don't, I just, I I think people will love DeMar forever. And, and I, I just, I hope he is able to play again. And next year, because of this decision, because they've canceled the game that locks in a bills at Cincinnati game in the regular season next year. And I hope he's able to play in that game and get the kind of reception that we all know he will get regardless of what happens in the playoffs. Even if the bills and Bengals play in the playoffs and the bills beat the Bengals to advance and knock them out, there's still going to be a ton of love for DeMar the next time he comes back to Cincinnati. Jay, I've covered a lot of locker rooms, obviously in, in various sports. So have you, I have never covered a locker room where I felt the players so genuinely connected with each other. And so, um, at peace and in, and enjoying each other's company the way I have felt about this Bengals locker room this year. And, and to a large degree last year as well. I think it was a big contributing factor mm-hmm. on the run late in the season um, in, in the playoffs to the Super Bowl. But what I've seen from the team this week and how they've handled everything and how Joe Burrow and, and DJ Reader handled things on Wednesday and obviously Zach Taylor, um, the natural leader of the team, handled it. Uh, and his messaging and the way T Higgins and Tyler Boyd handled things on Thursday. Mm -hmm. It, it it really left a mark on me in a very positive way. How about you? Yeah. I mean, we, you could tell how connected this team was last year, but it was, is anecdotally. I mean, we never, we didn't get to go in the locker room. And um, so it was through stories from guys and talking to guys at podiums and on zoom and that kind of thing. And you, you see it firsthand now. And I just think, you know, it's a cliche, but teams are kind of a product of their head coach and, and their leader and Joe Burrow. And both of those guys are people first, compassionate guys. And, 
it it just filters through that entire locker room and it's it's it is it's it's heartwarming to see and you wonder you know if if they were four and 11 and you know would it would it be the same but naturally i'm sure it wouldn't there wouldn't be as much camaraderie and and relax and, and guys wouldn't be having as much fun but i think because they realize they're an outstanding team with great mm-hmm. leaders. That that combination, I yeah. think, really makes it the experience that it is being in that locker room day after day. Yeah. And and I mean, incredible leaders because it's not just Burrow. I mean, Mike Thomas, I if anybody's ever had a chance to listen to the podcast we did with him, he's a special teamer. A lot of Bengal fans may not even be aware of him. He's an incredible human being. Ted Karras, yes. DJ Reader, all these guys are just in just great people that you would want to have dinner with and, and and get to know off the field if they didn't play the game of football and um you know compassion is a lot of times lacking in this sport and uh there's no shortage of it in this locker room i mean it's it has been a joy to cover this team and that and people do ask and i have fans ask me i've i've heard fans wonder about that does does that really matter and it is times like this where teams get stressed and can be distracted. It does matter because players know they can lean on lean on one another. They have things in perspective. And then because they have that support, they can go out and play a game that they get paid to play and, and delineate the two and differentiate between the two that we can care for our fallen brother on the field. The one that needs medical attention is Mm -hmm. in a life-threatening situation, but then at at the same, on the same token, we can go out and try to do our jobs to the best of our ability. And, you know, DJ Rader made this point and he's, he's right. Once you step on that field, whether it's the practice field, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, film room or the game field on Sunday at one against Baltimore, you better be going hundred percent because that's how you really do get hurt. And that's how, in, that's how you can injure yourself. And I think that point about once you step on the field, you better be ready to go. I think all of the Bengals get that have gotten that message. Yeah. Because I mean, they all know, and DJ said this too, everybody knows what they signed up for. And, uh, you can you can get hurt on any play at any instance can get hurt if you don't go 100 miles an hour if you don't play full speed you will get hurt there, there's only one way to play this game and um it'll be interesting i think there'll be emotions there'll be some trepidation uh during warm-ups about is this the right thing to do to get back out on this field where i mean a guy either nearly died or did die and was brought back to life um, but I think once the game starts with, with so much at stake and, and even if it wasn't, even if this game was clinched and there wasn't really much at stake, I still think that once you get that first hit and once the whistle blows, the kickoff, all that, you know, within a minute, it's going to feel like a normal football game. You know, the, the encouraging sign to me was on Wednesday, even though it was a walkthrough, it was not a practice. Mm. I saw, and we both saw full attendance at Paycor Stadium for that walkthrough. That indicated mm-hmm. to me that the players understood that getting back on the field was one way to start healing and, and doing what, the, I mean, everybody's going to have their own perspective around the NFL. And I respect that. I understand that. But when I saw you know, full attendance, that gave me an indication that the players are ready to at least try and 
to go about approaching playing again. Absolutely, because it, there's a lot of guys on this team that could have asked for a vet day. No way Zach Taylor says no, and, and none of them did. They, I think they wanted to be out there for themselves to try to get back to normalcy. They wanted to be out there for their teammates and their brothers, and I, I do. I agree with you. That was a, a good sign that it was 100%. It was the same thing yesterday, 100% yesterday, and um, you know, I would assume we don't know the extent of Eli Apple's neck injury, but um, it, that's the only real one that, that could possibly be out today. What do you think about uh, Sunday? I know you mentioned earlier, you know, the Ravens could be down to a third string quarterback, which is kind of similar to what happened in the next to last uh, game of, or I should say the game before the Chiefs game. So that would be the third to last game mm-hmm. of the 2021 season uh, when the Ravens were incredibly shorthanded. It kind of has that feel again this weekend for Baltimore coming into Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean, there last year it was the defense that it was just a bunch of backups and and practice squad guys and Burrow lit them up for five twenty five. Um, that defense is healthy and it's good. It's really really good. Um, they have been susceptible to the run the last few weeks, but that's because Calais Campbell was out. He's back now, so uh, it almost feels like twenty is the magic number. That if if the Bengals can get to twenty, I don't think the Ravens can get to twenty on the Bengals defense. Um, it sounds crazy to think, can, can this Bengals offense as great as it is get to 20, but again, that, that Ravens defense is so good. I mean, since they played in week five, they're, they're number one in the league in points allowed number two in league in yards allowed. And for the season, they're top three in third down percentage defense and red zone. I mean, there's, they do everything so good, but it just, the role that this Bengals offense is on. I mean, that Bills defense was really good, and it looked like the Bengals were just going to go through them up and down the field. They did on the first drive. They were on their way on the second drive when the when the, the Demar incident happened. So I think I think the the Bengals will be able to move the ball and score enough and and, and eclipse that twenty mark. And I I don't see any way the Ravens get to twenty. Unlike any week, Jay, that you have ever covered the Bengals or any sport this week. Um, yeah, I would have to say just because you know the the injury itself was so unprecedented. I'm trying to rack my brain and think if there was if there was other. I, I if anybody has perspective on that beat and and history, you yeah. Do. <laughs> I mean, I, I I covered the team casually in in 2001 with the 9/11, but I wasn't there every day like I am now. I've only been doing that since 2012, and so since I've been on the beat, it, you know, for uh, this is my 11th season. Absolutely, this is the the most unusual week that we've seen um you know when COVID started that was kind of weird and different but you got used to it I I hope we don't get used to what this week was I hope we never have another week like this for everyone's sake amen he is Jay Morrison does a great job covering the Cincinnati Bengals for the athletic phenomenal job and as you have just heard for the last 20-25 minutes has incredible perspective uh both on and off the football field. So Jay, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, Trags. You bet. Uh, he is Jay Morrison. You can, of course, follow him on Twitter. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Trags, T-R-A-G-S. Jay, g- give your Twitter handle. Just I don't want to get it wrong. Uh, it's my full name. It's at J-A-Y Morrison and then A-T-H, at Jay Morrison, A-T-H. There he is. And you can follow me on Twitter at Trags, as I just said, T-R-A-G-S. Also, click and subscribe on the YouTube link on the Jungle Roar podcast page. Want to hear all of your comments 
good, bad, and indifferent. He is Jay Morrison. I'm Mike Petralia Trags. Thanks so much for watching this episode and downloading this episode of the Jungle Roar podcast.